You're listening to the Rise of Sisterhood podcast, where we chat about soul, spirit, sisterhood, and a little bit of everything in between. Here is your host, aka me, Jen. Hello, sweet sisters. I am so grateful for having you join me today. I am really excited to introduce my most wonderful and dear friend, Michelle Lupre, who is such a fascinating woman who, and she has had quite the journey and adventure through her life. So over the next hour, we spend some time chatting about what her life has been like and the experiences that she's had and how it's shaped her today. So I'm grateful to introduce her to you and for you to get a sneak peek into one of the beautiful women that we have here in Rise Up Sisterhood. Michelle is incredibly intuitive. She's a beautiful artist and she is just so full of wisdom and I am so grateful to have her in my life and I can't wait to share her with you. Have a listen. So hi, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast episode. I'm really so grateful and excited to have you here today. Thank you, Jen. I'm so grateful and so excited myself. I I love speaking with you anyway, and it's just, it's wonderful to be able to speak with you on your podcast. I'm just thrilled to have this platform where I'm able to share all of the beautiful women that have come through my life since starting Rise Up Sisterhood. And Mm. I love your story. And I really think that the women who listen to this podcast and men too, if there are men listening, I really think that they can they can pull some value from it and hopefully take what it is that they hear today and apply it into their own lives. So as a quick note, my listening friends, you all know I don't love to edit podcasts. So if you hear us coughing or you hear us pausing <laughs> or saying um a lot, it just is what it is. We're just having a conversation today. <laughs> so Michelle, Uh, As I shared in the intro, you have kind of made a big shift in your life, Um, not Mm -hmm. necessarily vocation because you've been in the insurance world for a while, but uh, stepping into your true artist self. I'd love to get to that eventually, but why don't we start a little bit with uh, where did you grow up? What was family life like? What was it like for you in your childhood? And we can just kind of start from there. Okay. Um, well, in terms of where I grew up, I was born in Edmonton, but, uh, but I grew up in my early years in the Northwest Territories. Uh, I grew up in a mining family, so there was a lot of travel involved. And my memories are spotty at that age, but really my foundation was in this little mining town in the middle of nowhere. Um, family would come up and visit, uh, most notably my grandmother, uh, who was recently passed, would come up and visit. And spending time in the quiet uh, and the majesty of the North, um, it's, it, it was very formative for me, uh, for those memories that I've had up until the time I was about four. This is where, uh, as a bit of a side note, this is where my obsession with the moon uh, really started as well. I mean, it's, it's a very, very clear sky in the middle of winter um, in the territories. And uh, well, I mean, I can get to that later, but, but that's <laughs> essentially where I started out. And just because I love contrast in my life, and that's absolutely where it started. When I was five, uh, my family moved to Papua New Guinea, 
um, in, hmm. in a mining town in the middle of the jungle there. And we had lived there for a few years. Um, I've got quite a few memories of that, um, five to, to around nine years old. It, it's very different. I'm not really sure how to describe it in a way that people who haven't had that experience would understand. Um, but uh, I certainly gained an appreciation for the many, many different ways that people on this earth can live. And that uh, really informs a lot of my art. It's, it's actually informed a lot of my decisions in my life as well. Spending time in this very, very different environment. And there was some traveling as well uh, throughout Australia and Southeast Asia during that time. It's, it's pretty wild when, when you're a kid. <laughs> That's, I can't even imagine. I know that you have young children and I have Hannah who was on the podcast and uh, she's eight and she yes. has lived her entire life here in beautiful White Rock, BC, Canada. And she's traveled on a plane once to Disneyland and that's it. So, I mean, we do explore BC, but, and she's been, she's been to Alberta to visit family, mm -hmm. but she hasn't really, I mean, BC is so big and beautiful to explore. So there's nothing wrong with that, but it's so fascinating to me to think that you have, by the age of nine have lived all over the place and already seen so much of the world. That's, it's amazing. So tell me a little bit more about growing up in Papua New Guinea. You mentioned that. Uh, it really has helped shape how you make decisions in life today. So what did you mean by that? What I, what I mean by that, it's a really tough one to put into words. Recently, I underwent an exercise. It was the other, last year, in fact, I underwent an exercise that my employer had put me through in which we, uh, we identified our values. And one of the big ones that came up for me was equality. It's, it's, it's a big deal for me whenever I, Whenever I see inequality, it really, it really, really bothers me. I would like to think that spending time in the middle of a mining town where you've got privilege in, this, in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by villages, um, mm. you, you know, people who had not stepped foot outside necessarily their tribe or their immediate area in the middle of the jungle, it, it, it was such a contrast. And my brother would say the same thing. We became very acutely aware of the difference between uh, the white mining families, mostly Australian, um, but obviously us being Canadian and a few others there. And uh, the native uh, Papua New Guineans mm. with an incredibly rich culture, an incredibly uh, huge a very wide variety of languages and traditions and beliefs. And that was when we first encountered the realities of prejudice and racism as well. Mm. Um, it's, it's quite an education at that age. Also, I wanted to go back to what you said before. There is nothing wrong with a trip to Disneyland, by the way. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I, happen I to mean, love Disneyland. <laughs> oh, we had a really, really great time. And I think that, regardless of what your children's experiences are, they love them in the moment. It's they, when you grow up and you start hearing, whoa, you did all these things. That's crazy. <laughs> but there's, what do we say? Uh, comparison is the thief of joy, right? So be grateful. And Okay. 
Okay, so fast forwarding. So after New Guinea, you were nine. So where did you move after that? We actually came back to Edmonton after that. Um, oh, how what? glamour! How how exotic! <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you're nine, it, you don't care nearly as much. That's for sure. But uh, but I found myself as I got older, kind of pining for a little bit of adventure, for sure. Mm-hmm. But nothing wrong with Edmonton. It was a perfectly good place to grow up. It was a very stable time. And that was really nice. Um, You know, for a few years, we went through the usual challenges and whatnot when it came to bullying and when it came to just kind of going through the school system and and whatnot. And, you know, it's sad that it's such a common, uh, common thing. And things were more or less good for a while. But as we got older, um, a number of things came up in the family. Uh, most notably, my brother was diagnosed with Asperger syndrome, um, Tourette syndrome, and ADHD. And this was at a time where people weren't really talking about the spectrum. You know, it was either autism or not. And even then, mm. autism wasn't getting the kind of uh, uh, the kind of attention and the kind of awareness that it really needed to be getting. So. Watching my mother really power through and really do her own research and advocate on behalf of my brother was, it it was very, very inspiring. And it was around this time that my father kind of started to exit out of our lives as well, gradually through travel, um, through overseas placements and whatnot. And he also kind of exited in the emotional sense as well. He wasn't nearly as involved. So it was during this time I really became aware of a mother's strength. <laughs> and that is absolutely no disrespect to any fathers out there listening because there are some wonderful fathers as well. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, the, the obstacles that she had come up against and that she had advocated for my brother for it, it is absolutely inspiring. A little horrifying at times, but inspiring. So it was a very interesting time the dynamics of the family definitely started to shift things weren't as kind of nice and rosy and perfect and uh it was it was very interesting and it was around this time as well that uh you know some of the some of the old family secrets had come out and uh my mother started to suffer from mental illness as well i mean she didn't she didn't have mom's gone wild right she didn't have ties up sisterhood and uh it's uh it was tough for a little while for sure it was tough it's um it really highlighted the impact of generational trauma uh oh yeah seeing a lot of what she had gone through i count myself very very lucky uh, yeah it's so tough when especially when we think about this day and age, we are the generation that kind of grew up from having very limited connectivity to being completely connected to anything and everything you could possibly need. Yeah. So it's definitely, you know, an eye opener for sure. Like to think about what your mom must have done mm. to advocate for your brother. Like that's, it, it. it's just, it's just wild too, because at that time they wouldn't even have known the severity or you know so good for her good for how old is your how what's the age difference not how old (laughs) what's the age (laughs) difference were you close with brother 
Yes, we're only a year and a half apart. We were we Ooh. actually grew up very close. We're we're close to this day. I mean, he lives in Edmonton, um, but we call each other regularly. You know, we're we're constantly speaking, and you know, I I love him very much. I still call him Baby Bobby. I think that annoys oh. me a bit, but I've always, <laughs> I've always called him Baby Bobby. <laughs> He's barely younger than me, so that doesn't really make sense. But <laughs> it's our That's... little inside joke. That's really cute. That's yeah, really yeah. sweet. Yeah. Very endearing. So dad slowly was exiting. I mean, we've privately and in circle talked about, I think, my experience with my dad as well. So yeah. I totally yeah. know what that's all about. Um, so do you want to chat a little bit more about that? Um, how did you did you notice the impact at that age? Or is it something that you feel hit you as you got older tell me a little bit more about that I really didn't notice it at that age Uh, it wasn't really until I'd say well into adulthood probably almost at the point of uh, when I became a mother when I really noticed what that looked like and what it actually was and you know my my father I mean he wasn't and he isn't a bad person a quote-unquote bad person I mean, he suffers from the effects of generational trauma as well, mental illness, which has never been addressed. None of that is an excuse, of course, but it is what it is. He's certainly not the only one in that generation. Uh Um, But that that doesn't negate the importance of setting boundaries when it comes to that as well. And absolutely, I found when I was younger that I... I felt, and I, I really didn't know how to put a name to this until I was older, but looking back, he, he really treated me as a bit of a trophy. That's, that's how I felt. I was the normal one. I didn't have Tourette syndrome. I wasn't having outbursts. I wasn't having, you know, trouble in school in the same way that my brother was. And it's not that he necessarily rejected my brother, but his actions did make my brother feel very much rejected. And that was very, very painful to watch because I was very clearly the favorite. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I didn't recognize for a long time what effect his actions had. Um, In the meantime, he had uh, started having an affair um, in, uh, in another country where he was working. That went on for a number of years. So my mother was obviously very much abandoned as well. Mm-hmm. It was it was really difficult because it was in my late teens where it's it's very difficult watching a parent fall and mm. getting to a point where they're not the titan that you thought they were. That's a very, human. very hard. And that's they're just, they're human, but especially when they're, really kind of giving in to the worst of human tendencies it's it's tough to know how to navigate and uh you know that was it's still pretty hard it's still pretty hard to think about it wasn't until right after I had kids where where I drew up where I had to draw a hard line um my brother had kind of gave given up 10 years previous um he really had no use for him at that point Mm-hmm. I still think about him quite a bit. It's very, How long has it been? It's been, um, what is it now? 2019. It's the end of 2019. It's been four years. 
That's pretty in line with my no longer speaking to my dad timeline as well. Interesting. <laughs> I feel that. Yeah, I feel that. So that's very, may- very interesting. I wonder if there's sometimes I wonder if there's a correlation between where you generally are at in your life when it comes mm-hmm. to motherhood in particular. Mm. I, I, I feel like motherhood is a very much um, it's vi- it's a very big prompt for setting boundaries for a lot of people. Oh my God. Absolutely. Like if, 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 it's, if it uh, wasn't happening before it's happening now. Yeah. I've, uh, I've spoken really quite candidly in my women's circles about the experiences I had with my dad. Um, and for the listeners, he actually cut his entire family out of his life. It wasn't the other way around. Um, my dad has mm. MS and he has been a self-medicator and he had definite, generational trauma he grew up with many siblings and his his mother actually took her own life when he was young um and they had yeah they had a lot of suffering in their lives growing up so you know as an adult I can look at the situation and I can see and empathize but as you mentioned you know like it doesn't excuse it doesn't excuse the behavior um Mm -hmm. but yeah I definitely he had he had had a couple really, he was, he was mixed up with the wrong type of people. And he had a couple situations happening near his household that I fierce mama bear put my foot down and said that Hannah would no longer be uh, allowed to come over. Um, We would meet in neutral grounds, things of that nature. And I think that was kind of like the beginning of the end because, you know, that was it. Like, I just, I wasn't going to put up with anything. Like my, my family comes first. So yeah, I would definitely, I could definitely see that for sure. Definitely. It's, it's tough. And it's the more I speak with women, particularly at women's circle, the more I find how sadly common it is. Mm -hmm. We're, we're really not the only ones. Um, there's a lot of people who have had to make those very, very difficult decisions out there. And, um, it's, it's really, really tough for sure. And there's so many people that are of the mindset that, oh, it's family. We just, we just, you know, oh, it's just dad or it's just uncle, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. or auntie, blah, blah. You know, we're just, that's just how they are. And, you know, as human beings, we, the one thing we can do is control ourselves. That's it. There's nothing else. And that means that we can control who we allow to affect our energy. Yes, correct. And I believe you mentioned boundaries earlier and my goodness, you know, setting boundaries is one of the most challenging things to learn how to do. But once you do it, it's just the most liberating and freeing thing that you can do for yourself. Oh my goodness. It's hard, but it's, it's essentially a loving act, isn't it? It's an absolutely it hundred percent is because if you can start to show the world what it is that you stand <laughs> for, then you are less likely to be, you know, stepped on, pushed around. You've got it. Yeah. And you're also setting an example for, for your family as well and for your loved ones as well. Totally. Exactly. Because when they, yeah, especially your children, when they can see that you are, not willing to allow that type of behavior, whatever that behavior may be, then they know that they have the right to say no as well. I don't know if this was the same for you, but for me, I was the type of mom who like Hannah, when she was growing up, she, well, she's still growing up, but when she was little, she didn't have hair until she was about two and a half. So she was bald, but she had a really 
really excellent vocabulary. So mm. people thought she was some like crazy gifted child, like, cause she was pretty small and living where we do, there are a lot of elderly people who feel like they have the right to come up to your child and get up in their faces. And uh, so for, yeah. for me, it was like, right from the beginning teaching Hannah how to just say no like she has never been the type of person that it's you know it's funny to watch now because she has her mind of her own but she does not put up with anything which is going to be great as an adult but as a parent right now it's (laughs) beyond frustrating (laughs) yes that definitely sounds challenging yeah also good for her yes good for her but bad for mom but good for mom maybe in a couple of years in a way way. (laughs) so do you feel that the experience with your dad was that a singular experience or were there other uh events in your life that contributed to you um or maybe this wasn't even related but you mentioned to me off the podcast that you did start traveling I think you said you were 18 and you just up and left is that what happened refresh Um, my memory on that Kind of. There was a little bit of a lead up to that when, um, I mean, obviously traveling a lot since uh, at a very young age, I was pretty comfortable with an airplane and I was pretty comfortable with kind of just seeing what's out there. Um, Right. When I was in high school, obviously my relationship with my father was still very good at that point. It was falling apart with my mom and my brother. And I was very bored in school. I think many creative types are. You could, I'm, guessing mm-hmm. you could probably relate to that mm-hmm. um and uh my father was working in kyrgyzstan at the time which is a former soviet country so the opportunity came up to go just go to kyrgyzstan for a month um i, I must have been 17 the first time that i went 16 the first time that i went and uh so i went i thought why not i'm really bored with school so <laughs> i'll just this is not by the way I am not advocating anyone dropping out of school I am not just let's just make that really clear but but I was uh it was incredible because I mean New Guinea was different and the territories was different but this is this was a country they still had statues of of like Lenin it was Mm. really really wild and uh a part of me really loved it I don't know why but I did. It was so, it was this weird mix of Asia and Europe. Oh. And uh, it was, it was really, really cool. So I was pretty comfortable. And I went again a couple years later when I was 18. Um, and I toured some of the villages and uh, ate a lot of the local street food, miraculously didn't get sick. I'm not really <laughs> sure how I dodged that, but, but I'm very lucky. And it was incredible. So I came back and I kind of got back to Edmonton and I thought, well, I don't know if this is really doing it for me (laughs) at this point um, because I had traveled so much. So it wasn't long after that I met uh, my boyfriend who eventually became my husband. He's from Australia and he was traveling around. Um, We had met and hit it off and uh, 10 months later, he said, okay, well, I'm going to go back to Australia now. And I thought, all right, well, I'll just come with you. I've got nothing going on here. Why not? <laughs> so I did. I was 19. And uh, I went to Australia. And I lived there for seven years. I got my citizenship. Uh, we got married. I made some great friends. 
had some really good adventures. It was, it was good fun. It was really, really good fun. That's, that's really fun. My sister-in-law was just in Australia for three years and she just moved back and she got invited back for Christmas this year to go and work a cruise ship. So she's down back in Australia as of tomorrow for another month. So it's funny. I think once you go, you kind of, it, it, it gets in yeah (laughs) I just everyone I know that's been or is from there you just go back so I love it it's it's a really cool place to be again it's it's pretty different but definitely more within the comfort zone for for someone from Canada for sure so you had some fun as you mentioned you had some Mm -hmm. adventures so was your time in Australia all hunky-dory and good time Oh, you know what the answer is going to be to that <laughs> with, with a lead into that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, let's just get philosophical for a second. Life is usually not all hunky dory and good times. <laughs> um, and uh, there's got to be growth that happens. Right. And um, and this is no different. So I was there uh, for seven years. There were lots of great things that happened. It was probably a couple of years in where I kind of started to think, all right, well, I mean, this is fun. I'm enjoying it. There's great coffee. There's a lot of Italians in Melbourne. Um, Great art, music. There's a lot of things to keep me happy, but I actually felt very disconnected. And Mm. to this day, I can't quite put my finger on why. I don't know if it was the distance from my family or what, but I just never felt quite at home. And, uh, and I had a hard time relating to a lot of people there. I mean, Australia is wonderful. I mean, I've got friendships that endure to this day that I had made uh, during my time there. I also started my career there working in insurance as well, which has taken me to Canada, which is really, really nice. But I really didn't feel at home. And Australian culture, this is a, obviously a gross generalization, it's kind of, it's kind of aggressive. And especially in business, it's kind of aggressive. I found myself almost kind of starting to adopt that Mm. to the point that when I had moved back to Canada, I think that a lot of people, when I started working, were kind of taken aback by this, almost like this macho, you know, kind of persona for a female, Mm -hmm. I suppose, this kind of aggressive, you know, calling people out, kind of not really very diplomatic, um, you know, not a lot of tact, you know, kind of, you know, bullishly moving your way forward through something. And yeah, some of that is, you know, a bit of a bit of a coping technique, I suppose, you know, being in a country that's far away from home, not really sure, not entirely sure about whether I'm happy with it or not, not really sure where I'm going to take my life or not. I think that that was probably a little bit of a coping strategy, taking that on. It took me quite a few years to dismantle and I'm still working on it. Mm -hmm. I think that you had mentioned to me once at circle. um, And I can't remember exactly what the context was, but we were having a little private conversation and you had mentioned that you see me operating from the wounded masculine. Mm. I think. And that's something I've been thinking a little bit about recently, you know, the wounded masculine versus the empowered masculine, the wounded right. feminine versus the empowered feminine and, and how, 
how can I delve into all of those things? How can I, how can I find some harmony, um, you know, between all of those kinds of approaches that we have? It's just something that's been running through my head lately. Well, I think that the dance between the masculine and the feminine is so fascinating. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, once you start to notice it within yourself, it's, you know, you can start to see it playing out (laughs) with other people. Because I know exactly how you feel with that. I relate to you so much. I was in the fitness industry for 10 years before, you know, doing a complete 180 and becoming an artist. Yeah. So uh, you had to, if you were working in a gym back then, you had to be more aggressive with your tactics. You know, there wasn't as many women coming in looking for weight loss because they were, you know, they were nervous. They were scared. They didn't know what to do in the gym. So, you know, the leaps and bounds have been made for women and, you know, feeling comfortable in a public space. And I think that it's, it's, you know, it's interesting that, we're just noticing it now, but yeah, I used to be yelling at my clients, do burpees, you know, thinking (laughs) that that was what they needed to be motivated. Fast forward. It's really interesting to look back at my decade working in the fitness industry because, you know, you don't need to have that aggressive approach in order to make an impact on someone. And often they Mm -hmm. are hurting they're hurting more than just, you know, from doing a bunch of squats hurting. <laughs> There's a lot more emotional support needed. And someone who's operating out of fear, I think, is often operating from a wounded perspective, whether it's female or male, uh, yeah. or feminine or masculine. Um, and so that can cause a disconnect for sure. So it, yeah. it most certainly yeah. can. Yeah, I, um, I had to. I did when I've I've mentioned, I did this um, uh, training last year that my employer had put me through and they gave me a handy little chart (laughs) about uh, and that's exactly what they have under fearful. If you're, if you're, if you're at a fearful level, you're operating from a place of fear. You see your outlook as being unsafe. You see your environment Mm -hmm. as being unsafe. You feel insecure. You act with aggression and the outcome <laughs> is alienation. Well, isn't that the truth? <laughs> it, it really, it really is. It really is. It's, oh, it's it, it's a funny thing, but it's it's, yeah. it's a common thing. You know, I th- I think that we all do kind of go through these go through these um, mindset levels, and you know, to be fair, and I guess it's probably the same for you. I was in my twenties. <laughs> Yeah, you're not you're not grown up when you're in your 20s. You don't know who you are or what you're doing. No, I don't. A lot of maybe other people do. Yeah, maybe, but they might be lying. (laughs) They also might be lying. (laughs) I don't know who has it together. I'm wondering though, if we're chatting mindset and whatnot, why don't we make a shift? Um, Let's shift this conversation towards maybe looking at. Um, when you were, you know, realizing this side of yourself was coming out and you didn't like it, um, you mentioned the shadow self. And what, do you find that that came up for you when looking at your situation from an outside perspective? Or when did that come up for you looking at the shadow? And maybe just share a little bit uh, what your perspective and take on the shadow is as well. Well, the shadow. Where do I I start the funny thing about shifts I find for me is that sometimes I can 
I can look back and think, oh, there was a shift that took place at this point. But usually it's more a matter of little steps over the course of, of a period of time. Uh-huh. And the past, I'd say, three years have been really significant. I mean, there's been shifts that's happened a lot in my life as, as well as with anyone's life. But when it comes to mindset, when it comes to the shadow, when it comes to embracing your wounded feminine or your wounded masculine or, or what have you, I'd say the past three years have been very formative. And one of the reasons was it was probably about four years ago where I drew a hard boundary with my father. And when you draw a boundary with someone, I'm, I'm sure you would have noticed this as well. You start to realize you can draw boundaries anywhere in your life. Uh-huh. If you feel like you need it. So there were, there were boundaries around certain situations and certain people, you know, I thought, you know, I've, I've been, I've been pretty nice for a while. <laughs> maybe, um, maybe I need to just kind of look out for myself for a little bit. And there was a lot of pushback, unsurprisingly, that, that came with that as well in various friendships and extended family relationships. And that was, more difficult to navigate I would say than placing the boundary itself Uh, no one likes being placed on the outside of a boundary understandably Mm -hmm. of course no 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 one loves no one just can okay that's cool and walk away and accept it that's just not going to happen and that's the thing when it comes to setting boundaries is to be prepared for the pushback that's going to come so that pushback right That pushback, I mean, it really, honestly, it kind of messed with me a little bit. Uh I I went through a really, really kind of a dark time for a few years there where, you know, you know, you're not a bad person. You know that it's okay to protect yourself. It's okay to look after yourself. But still, some of these messages still kind of make their way in, right? Especially if you're operating from a place of insecurity, as so many of us are for whatever reasons um mom's gone wild and rise up sisterhood have been so crucial for me in terms of my own personal development in terms of knowing exactly who i am and what i need and how i choose to express myself um what parts of me show up in any given situation uh between that and Again, my employer putting me through this leadership training, it really did create a massive shift in my life. And, uh, you know, you you were there, like right in the middle of it, Jen. The mm-hmm. first time that I met you, you sit, you 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 did me a, you you um you got some sage going. Mm. <laughs> it was beautiful. I'm like, who is this? Who is this hippie dippy? No, I wasn't like that. I was like, who's this cool chick? <laughs> well because at, at that time you weren't as open spiritually right and it's no. funny because in hindsight looking at your incredible lineage it is just yeah. so inherently deeply ingrained in you to be a magical witchy woman so I guess it's you just it. need to... oh sorry go ahead no it's okay it's 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 so weird isn't it because it's incredible mm-hmm. how we forget but when we remember, woo! <laughs> oh my goodness, when we remember, you know, I mean, when I when I was mentioning growing up in the Northwest Territories, 
I have said this story just recently because my grandmother had passed away recently. And I, I really wanted to tell everyone this story. She had a silver crescent moon necklace and she had taken, she had come up to visit and she had taken me for a walk and it was just around the block because I was just a toddler. And I don't remember this. I was too young, but she remembered it very clearly. A crescent moon was in the sky and I pointed to the moon and I said, moon in sky. And then at some point I pointed to her necklace and I said, moon in sky. And it's really, it's really special. The crescent moon is a result. It's, it's, it's such, it's such an important symbol to me. And just as a bit of a background, uh, my grandmother uh, was a high priestess in Edmonton. Uh, mm -hmm. She's not, uh, she wasn't Wiccan. Um, we, uh, she, and now we uh, subscribe to what we refer to as a family tradition, which is not something that many people outside of pagan circles would know about, but, uh, but within pagan circles, it's, it's a family tradition. It's really kind of specific to the family, but accessible to anybody. And the family tradition was passed down uh, from her father, uh, who was passed down from his mother, uh, who was passed down from her mother. Um, there are just incredible stories about, you know, these wonderful people and, you know, the kinds of, um, the kinds of lives they were living and, and how they reacted to things around them. And I really didn't appreciate it growing up the way I do now. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd, I'd kind of dip in and out of it and I'd have fun with, you know, divination every once in a while. And I'd, you know, have fun with kind of, you know, meditating and, you know, reading up on, you know, different gods and goddesses and all that kind of fun stuff. But I mean, the fun stuff, as cool as it is, is pretty superficial. It's it's really when you dig down and get into the shadow. That's where, that's where the real work is. And um, my grandmother uh, passed on September first of this year. It was uh, it was a peaceful passing um, after an incredible life lived. But she was the backbone of the family, and we were all very very acutely aware that she is the backbone of the family. Mm -hmm. So we had made a pact. This is my, my mother, my aunt, um, my brother, my cousin, and myself, that we need to carry on this tradition, this family tradition. Like it really is up to us. It's important. It's been going for so many generations. And uh, this is something that's very important to us. So, so that has been a really, really big push for me to just dive inward a little bit Mm -hmm. Really try to remember exactly who I am. Really try to remember exactly where I come from and remember exactly where I'm going because it's it's a circle, right? I mean, time isn't linear. Time is, is a circle. And exactly. it's, been, it's been so beautiful, Jen. It has been the, an incredible journey so far. And I'm so, I'm so excited for where it's going. I think it's just, it's really quite beautiful that, you know, you've lived this life of adventure and, you know, you've had many different seasons in what you've experienced in your life and, you know, to come kind of full circle and end up back right where 
<laughs> I don't want to say you belong, but like, you know, where your family no, I, I roots, you your tradition are, right? It's just, it's so beautiful and how powerful, right? So I just, oh, yeah. I love it. So do you find now that, uh, because again, yes, it's been in your family for generations, but you've really over the last, I would say, I don't know how long you've been coming to my circles for, but that first circle was super powerful. Um, it, it must was. have been over a year ago. And, it was uh, well over. It must have been a year and a half ago, at least. Yeah, and from that moment until this moment, right now, talking, there's been such an evolution um, yeah. in, I guess, maybe how much you're willing to step out of your comfort zone and into a new space. And you know, now that you've really embraced this side of yourself, are you finding that? it's easy to share. Uh, do you find that you're, I guess the word that's coming up, do you find that you can feel like you're being your authentic self in all areas of life? Or do you, mm. do you find that you compartmentalize or turn it on or turn it off? What, how, how are you going about your day to day? Well, I mean, it's still a work in progress. I mean, it, and it will be throughout my entire life. I, I think that I'm a, a fraction of the way there when it comes to uh, my authentic self. But interestingly, that was one of the other values that came up along with equality. One of the other values was authenticity. And the third one was love. And I, I found mm. that those were my, my core, core, core values and authenticity has definitely resonated a lot. Um, it is much easier to do so now uh, from the time that I had started coming to circle or around that general time of my life where it was, it, it was kind of dark. It was pretty confusing. Um, I, I was feeling very, very insecure. I mean, circle gave me that safe space in which I could just explore what was going on with myself. I can kind of explore my own different ways of expression and I could do it safely you know, I could do it in a supported space. It's become almost, almost a habit now. And it's something that I'm much more comfortable taking outside of circle as well in terms of my mm -hmm. daily life, uh, that, uh, that authenticity. And, you know, it isn't just authenticity in terms of how a person chooses to express themselves. It's also authenticity in terms of, are you looking at a mirror? Or are you looking at yourself are you looking at the good and you're looking at the bad and the ugly as well? Uh -huh. um, seeing you know, everything. Yeah. Just seeing everything. And there is, it's scary, but it's empowering. And I picked up a book after my grandmother had passed. Uh, my brother and my cousin and I went through her things and, and split up, you know, who was going to take what. And I picked up a book from her room um, it's, it's like a young adult fantasy from, it must have been like the 60s or the 70s, called A Wizard of Earthsea by oh. Earth Wynn. And it's, uh, it was, it's, it's incredible. I mean, it's a, it's a fantasy, but it's all about the shadow self. It's all huh. about how you can't run from your shadow self. You know, this, this is who you are. You must embrace it. There is no other option. Otherwise, you're mm -hmm. going to make yourself, you're going to be running your whole life. Mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's informed so much lately in my spiritual practice, but also in my art practice as well. Mm. Yeah, I think that basically Cliff Notes version for me, the shadow self is 
what you're seeing in other people, if it's, I don't want to use the word triggering, throw it around, but if it elicits mm-hmm. a serious emotion from you, um, negative emotion, then that is a good sign that that is something within yourself that you yes. could stand to spend some time on. And I think yes. so many people are just completely lacking self-awareness. And that's why doing or having a practice like circle or, you know, having that time like you do with creating art, yes. um, it allows you to take that time to really reflect and integrate what it is that is coming up for you. Cause it's so easy to just blame and push everything onto everyone else around you. But mm-hmm. if you're willing to look at your own participation, you'll realize, you know, that maybe perhaps it's a little more on you than you are willing to admit. Oh, so exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, a big thing that I learned as well over the past few years is uh, the importance of, you had mentioned this at the beginning of our chat, um, you have full control over yourself. That's your mm-hmm. thoughts, that's your feelings, and that's your behaviors as well. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a very hard pill to swallow. It's hard for most people. It's still hard for me. Um, you know, if there's an interaction with someone, whether it's in my life, whether it's, whether it's on the internet, whether it's wherever, that feels a little bit triggering for me, having the self-awareness to step back and go, okay, I mean, I control what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling though. Mm-hmm. You know, is it, why is it triggering? And mm-hmm. it, is, are my behaviors going to reflect those of a triggered person? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or am exactly. I going to control over it? And that's why it's so important to practice the pause and not just react. You got it. That pesky yes. shadow. Yes. That shadow indeed. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that we could probably talk for hours and hours. We've been talking for just about 50 minutes now, <laughs> more so. <laughs> and, uh, it's just such a treat sorry. to be able to share time with you. There's nothing to be sorry for. I, <laughs> I love the conversation. So if you had any final words you'd love to share with the lovely listeners of this podcast, maybe some sage advice, some words of wisdom on, you know, maybe tying up your experience in a neat little package, what could you give to them to help them perhaps navigate through and come up the other side and rise up? That's a good question. I think there's lots of things that I could say. I think that um, I think that what I would really like to offer anyone who's listening, um, these are all things that I'm still working on. I'm very much in the early phases. I'm trying my best and I, I don't always get there, but I'm trying. Figure out what your values are. Really sit down and figure out exactly what your values are. Pick, pick two or pick three. Um, Think about your upbringing. Think about what worked and what didn't work. If you know what your values are, you you really know yourself. Mm -hmm. You you can really make decisions from that place. You know, you can really consider your existence and where you're going and where you come from, from that place. Figure out what your values are. And it might take a really long time. Some people never do, and that's okay. But it's very, very liberating once you do. So 
maybe final, very last beautiful message for the listeners. Would you like to pull a card and maybe share a forecast? It is the full moon energy here. And uh, why not see what we can help our sisters close out this decade with? It is. It's beautiful full moon energy. This is, I don't know if you can hear this. This is the sounds of my shuffling. Um, Given the full moon, I have chosen the Moonology Oracle cards. Beautiful deck. It is a beautiful deck. All right. What's our forecast? Here we go. Here we go. Full moon in Sagittarius. Ooh. Look at the bigger picture. Look at the bigger picture. It is a beautiful red full moon with an arrow, a bow and arrow, because it's Sagittarius. Mm -hmm. Look at the bigger picture. That's our forecast. I love it. Where can you apply that message into your life? I can think of a few places where I can apply it to mine. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you, Jen. I love you. I'll see you and talk to you soon. Yes. Women's Circle next week. You got it. See you then. Bye for now. Bye, darling. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope that you received some value or maybe a giggle or maybe gave you something to think about. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with your sisters. I'm sure they'd love to hear it as well. And if you're feeling up to it, leave us a five-star review. Thanks a lot. See you in the next one.